0: Big Water Podcast. I am Ross Robertson. You know I like to fish. That's what I do for a living. But sometimes we got to talk about it because the wind's blowing. Seems like every time I do one of these, the wind's blowing. Maybe that's a good thing. But it helps me get together with old friends. I don't even know if I use the word friend. I'd say acquaintance. Thomas Allen, Bassmaster. <laughs> I knew him back before. He was a big shooter with Bassmaster. Thomas, thank you for joining.
1: You know, Ross, I'd love to say it's a pleasure, but uh, really the pleasure all yours.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, knew, I knew this was going to go... Straight down, really
1: quickly. Yeah, we're going to have to watch our language here, brother, because typically it goes downhill that road real fast.
0: It does, and, you know, I I knew that the minute that I met you, uh, you were actually an account manager for a media company, and I had been dealing with another guy, and you know how it is in in this work. There was a few years there where it seemed like there was a new girl every day, you know what I mean? It was just like... A different person, a different person. And here I get this guy, and now there's another guy that I have to impress or deal with his little idiosyncrasies of how he wants things done. And what works for this guy don't work for this guy. And right out of the gate, I knew we were going to get along because you're like, hey, man, listen, here's the deal. I looked your (laughs) shit up. You've been doing this. You've been doing that. I was a freelancer for a number of years. I ran my own thing. I, I I did what you do, so I know the problems that you guys encounter. And I'm like i've never heard that before
1: like so and yet many... you were still a thorn on my side right. well i mean i didn't say this was gonna be easy
0: <laughs> well i mean i must not have been too much of a excuse me a thorn because i did weekly work for you guys literally i think i did a weekly blog and then some some print stuff through the years we did a decent amount but
1: i mean you could throw me a compliment if you want i mean i was your editor uh i had to do some editing. No, it was good. Look, there, there's a that's a funny time frame, and and really, that's a we'll have to get into that time frame later if you want. But you, you're right; you kind of go through a lot of people in this business, uh, and there's a lot of uh, temporary spots. It seems like, but when you get in the right kind of person that understands what you're doing, understands the need, uh, the needs, no matter what they are, and is able to fulfill them, working together with other people, it's kind of a whole new game. And so, I've always look i think what gave me a step up on any of my competition if you will if there was any competition because nobody really wants my job uh is the fact that i had lived the life of a freelancer for five years and scraped by and there was a lot of times i didn't know how i was going to make the minivan payment or didn't know how i was gonna you know get this or that but you because you do that i think that that changes your outlook going forward and you know if nobody's writing is perfect you know i can edit the heck out of something but if i send you a piece of mine that needs edited you're going to find some mistakes that i overlook so being an editor is different than being a writer so your stuff uh you know it was okay it was okay
0: wow, wow. <laughs> i could say the same of yours i've heard people who <laughs> edited your things through the years i mean
1: <laughs> train I've, I've i've uh, i've had some bad uh, i've actually made some mistakes there was a uh, what was it? It was one of the last issues of North American Fisherman before that thing just went belly up and floated away. I missp- misspelled a word in the beginning of the magazine. We had this two page spread and it was a big photo and, and Bassmaster, we call it opening shot or opening cast or whatever. First cast, something like that. And North American Fisherman had something like that. And there was just one word across the top to describe the picture, one word. And I spelled it wrong and it got published.
0: See, but how does that not make it through the other chain? Or was that just when that ship was so thin then?
1: Well, you know, it was me, (laughs) pretty much me and one other guy doing the editing, when before everything went down, there was a staff of editors that would go through things. And really, at Bassmaster, that's what we do, where there's – A group of editors, so three, four, five of us will look at every single piece two to three times, which eliminates a lot of chances of mistakes. But even such, it still happens. Uh, One of my favorite ones, I I wasn't there, but I love this story, but they were talking about public waters, and they forgot the L in the word public. And so... It, it appeared in the magazine as pubic <laughs> waters.
0: <laughs> my my uh, third grade sense of humor can appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I mean, now we can laugh at it. Back then, everybody was in big trouble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, everybody's so serious. And, and you know, I think that's the thing. And, and I know you're you half joking when we say these things about my stuff. But, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've been in the biggest publications that there is since I was in my teens. And I think that Yeah, I'm not a technical writer, but I think the thing is, is I won't name names, even though it'd be really fun at some point if we could. There's an awful lot of big name writers out there that suck, or they just regurgitate, or just flat out lie. And I know you know this, and you know the same guy. So yeah, I mean, do I have some run-ons and some some fragments and this and that? But that's, you know, I've been fortunate that guys like you have, have cleaned those things up for me because I can remember a, a huge publication telling me when I said, hey, I, you know, they're like, listen, we, we've got to clean everybody up. we got guys that ghostwrite. Yeah. I know you, you work with a guy who ghostwrites for a lot of other magazines. We won't yeah. say his name. but And, and they're like, hey, we got to clean up after these guys, too, because everybody, even if it's just the look of, of the publication. So it's maybe not even right or wrong. It's just they're going to format towards their thing a little bit. But I appreciate well, you. Well, every and-
1: publication – Every publication has a, has a style, and, and if you don't edit under that style as a writer, you're not going to be able to write under that style. And it's for, it just as a simple example, North American Fisherman, the style for that publication for the word rod tip was one word, rod tip. At Bassmaster, it's two words. And that's just a simple style thing. And I mean, if you understand how to communicate, you can probably write fairly well. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. And
0: I think that what you understood, and this probably goes back to your, your freelance days, is I'd rather have a guy. This was kind of where you were at. Like I did a lot of DIY, a little homemade stuff for things with you back in the early days where that's information or stuff that really guys weren't doing. Or if they did, that was regurgitated and they didn't even know about it. If you quizzed them on it, like they, they didn't <laughs> know. That, what, huh? Because so many of these guys don't really live it and do it. There's a lot of writers out there, unfortunately, that don't actually hunt or fish. Like-
1: Dude, I can't tell you the number of media events I've been on over my career. Countless, countless events. And the writers uh, – and, and I think that there's a fine line to be towed here. Like it's, it's important as a writer who's been invited to a media event to stand in the back of the boat, ask questions, write notes – and produce content at those events—videos, stories, photos—I don't care. Uh, but when the work is done, and it's time to pick up a rod—in uh, in this case, fishing—very um, few of them can can manage it. And I mean, some of the best, most renowned writers in the business uh, hold a baitcaster. Uh, a, not really knowing how to set the magnetics or the or the drag or whatever. But you know, on a, a baitcasting rod, you got the little pistol grip thingy. They put their finger on it like it's a trigger, and they hold the rod like that. And so the rod just turns in their hand when they're reeling. and they Or have
0: like to... a spinning reel upside down?
1: Well, now I've not seen that at an event, but I know people that do that. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but the thing of it is I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that level of a standard of expectations. But me personally, I'm not going to to write about. I'm not going to, uh, produce content on a subject that I don't feel like I could go and reproduce. And I do that because I believe I want, I want to be perceived as authentic. I want my readers, my viewers, whoever is going to look at anything I've produced, not edited and put in a magazine, but work I've worked on specifically. I want it to be authentic and I don't want to sound like an idiot. And I know, you know, this Ross, with all the clients that you work with, I'm sure you get guys that hop in your boat every morning and they're like, yeah, well, I fish all the time. Oh. And then you get out there, and you can see they really have no freaking clue what they're doing.
0: I had a guy one time said, hey, you know, uh, I'm pretty good at this. Uh, I probably can be your first mate. And I, I thought he was kidding, but he was like, yeah, I was on a charter in 94. Uh, True story. And I was like, 94? You were on a charter 25 years ago, and you want to be the first mate today? okay. I said, I got you. Just, just chill. I got you.
1: You know, and, and you can't I'll, even
0: blame that on millennials. These are these are old
1: guys. Well, but, you know, here's the thing, and I, I, I've I've thought a lot about this because I, I you know, my, I know we talk, we're, we're going to talk more about mentors and, and those that kind of influenced us, but, you know, I, what the standard that I want to live by working in the f- industry, fishing industry is what Al Linder set, and, you know, those guys back in the day, it's not, it may still be like this at Linder's Angling Edge, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but back in the day, when, when Fisherman was in its heyday, those guys showed up to work with the boats hooked onto their trucks. They may have never come unhooked during fishing season because as soon as the work was done in the office, they were out on the water. They were not only fishing, they were making content for the magazine if they were filming the TV show, but they left time to go fishing and it was a priority. And today's business model in the fishing industry is not leaving much room for that. We work at Bassmaster and I'll tell you, we haven't gone fishing as a group in two years. You know, and I it's it's the nature of the beast right now. And of course, with what's going on in our world currently, there are uh, other limitations. But that's what I loved about the fishing industry was the Alan Ron lenders of the world that made dang sure there was time to go fishing before the, the sunset at the end of the day. And that's what's been lost, I think, on today's generation.
0: We, we've had Troy Linder on the show and, and we actually talked about it another podcast too I brought the Linders up as an example of I wouldn't have the ability to do what i do if it wouldn't have been for Al and his group That's right. and, and all of those things you said I couldn't I, I would love to disagree with you matter of fact I'm trying to find a way to but a, a good friend of mine his son was just said to me hey can you help me get in a, as a fishing rep you know like he's coming out of college wants to be a fishing rep and I'm like you know you're not going to fish then right I mean are, are you're gonna get fat because you're gonna eat fast food and you're gonna drive around a lot and you're going to sit in a, in a home office, just so you know. And, and they don't understand. They think they're going to go fishing with me and you and, and stuff like that. And it's, it, it has been a lot tougher. I mean, And I think that's mm-hmm. tougher with the writers and the way that those things have gone. But
1: um, Well, r- writers are a different breed. And I think that their intelligence and their ability to take the information they're given from a pro angler, and this isn't true for every writer, but the best in the business, David Brown, Mark Hicks, uh, there's a young guy up in New York, Justin a friend of mine. You know, they they have the talent to produce content, and there's a lot more. Those are just a couple guys. Uh, they have the talent to produce the content based on the information that they garner from those conversations. They're humble. They don't need to be in the content. That's a thing that a lot of people forget about. Or like the people want to be the center of the attention. And if you're a writer, you got to be not heard and not seen. You need to produce the content from what you learn from that person. And nobody needs to even expect that the person writing the content is inserting themselves in that content. And I have that happen, and I kind of have to temper that back with new and young writers. Like, look, I know people, you want people to believe you know what you're talking about. The way you build your byline, the best way to build your byline is to create believable, educational, and easy to consume content. And after 10, 12, maybe five years if you're lucky, you have a byline that indicates you're an expert. And that's important for a writer. Now, if they're an expert on the water with a rod and a reel in their hand, that's a bonus, but most just aren't.
0: Well, and I think, to your point, kind of, I mean, you said this without saying it, is a good writer is, they they like, they don't have to be the best fisherman, but they understand it. Like, they know the they terminology. When, yeah. when, when I've, I've dealt, you know, I've been interviewed a lot and continue to be fortunately by guys, and when they don't know the terminology, I don't need you to be a great fisherman, but when you don't even understand the terminology... I mean what what where would that be acceptable if we were selling cars and someone was like the transitional thingy trans transmission? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and you're interviewing me like some car guy, you know? Where is that acceptable?
1: Well, you know what's happened is is I think that the culture of Big business, big magazines, big editorial, uh, uh, professional sporting events, they look at the hunting and fishing industry as largely redneck based, and they think that the bulk of those people are not as intelligent and they don't hold a candle to the regular societal standards. Uh, and therefore, they have tried, but they see, and I can't, I'm not gonna uh, quote you the exact number, but hunting and fishing, if they were businesses, Generate somewhere in the neighborhood of $150 billion a year. Okay. That's a lot of money if they were just individual businesses. Now that goes from everything from bait shop clerks to rod and reel manufacturers to whatever. Okay. The point is, these people in big business that are not involved in the outdoors, they see that money, that dollar amount, and they want to get in on that. And their way to get in on that is to overtake the rednecks because they're not that smart. They come in. They come in on a corporate level very often, which we saw at North American Fishermen, and I knew it was going to be a dumpster fire from the minute they stepped in the door because they love, didn't have a clue. I love about the term fishing. dumpster fire.
0: Whenever I can work that into anything, when people say that in like in in meetings and stuff, I just I just I immediately have affection for it.
1: Well, and and, and again, uh, we could go into a lot of detail. It's a conversation for another day, maybe. But North American Fishermen wasn't in perfect shape when they came in. It needed new leadership. It needed a redirection. It needed help. But. It needed that type of, of uh, leadership from somebody that, A, was invested in, in the sport, cared about fishing, but also somebody that gave a crap about business. And too seldom, you just don't find those two attributes with people. So it's a, it's a weird world. We're still seeing that, but I think we're on the edge of a, a paradigm shift where there's going to be more endemic or, or fishing-related, fishing-passionate people taking over these businesses like Pure Fishing was just acquired by people that care more about fishing than the previous organization. That's another hot mess too, but it's is just it, an Is example. it
0: perhaps a dumpster fire?
1: It, yeah, dumpster fire, train wreck, I don't care, however you want to say it, but there you go. So. So I ran into you at ICAST, and
0: I hadn't seen you for a bit. It seems like it's always one of these events, whether it's the Bassmasters Classic or ICAST. But I guess the good thing is is me and you are a cut of this, I hate to admit this, the similar cloth, similar sense of humor. And it's like we hadn't seen each other for five minutes, not you know, right. God knows how long it's been. But for other people that don't know your whack sense of humor like me, we're going to try to get to know you a little bit. I want seven rapid-fire questions. I don't want you to think about these. Just fire them off so that we can get to know you a little better. I mean, I, it's not really going to happen or work, but just let's work with me. Favorite vegetable? Um,
1: broccoli. Ooh. First car? My first car was a 1981 Chevy S10 uh, in a baby blue color, five-speed. With uh, It had a white grandpa-esque topper on the back, and I blew that motor up in about four months.
0: That doesn't surprise me. I've seen you with equipment. Biggest <laughs> bass? Uh,
1: my biggest bass, surprisingly, is about 7'12". I've not ever been able to break that eight-pound mark.
0: Okay, that's uh, not and, surprising And honestly, my, my, biggest surprising. Small mouth,
1: my biggest smallmouth was like 7'5", and that came out of Bay to Knock.
0: I caught an 8-4 out of a farm pond, and I'm not a walleye guy, but that, that's no here nor there. This is all about you today.
1: <laughs> biggest, Whatever, walleye, going. Biggest, walleye. biggest walleye. Biggest walleye. Biggest walleye. I caught a 10-pounder out of Sakakawea when we lived in uh, Minot, North Dakota, off the shore. Yeah, I tell
0: you, Sakakawea—it's—it's—it's it's, it's got a comeback. People don't realize this. It's like you know, everyone's Devils Lake, Devils Lake, Sakakawea. People, if you're listening, like the walleye fish, it is back, and nobody fishes there because
1: access and everything is brutal. And the northern pike fishing in that lake, and even Crazy. up into the, in the, what's the one in Fort Peck in Montana—some of the best pike fishing in the world.
0: Yep. I, I, yeah, I got to fish there about 20 years ago, and, and we were accidentally catching some giants in there. That's, that's another one, but it's great because there are like 40 miles between boat launches, and there's nothing there. We stayed in an old – on Fort Peck, we stayed in an old uh, – where the dam was built. I mean, these places are like 100 years old. It was the, the, like what was supposed to be temporary lodging like 70 or 80
1: years ago, so it, yeah. was, it was pretty nice. Yeah, those place that place doesn't get the attention it deserves, but it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's like twenty hours from everything. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal.
0: Anyhow, back to the rapid fire yes. questions. Most embarrassing fishing moment, because I know you have so many, so
1: I know this is gonna be uh, difficult. Epic fail might be another one. Um so we we're fishing a uh I, back in Iowa, uh I lived I don't know where I was living I was living in Guthrie Center at the time and we had a, a we fished every year as uh, my tournament partner. It was a four-man event, so two boats together for a combined 10-fish limit. Um, and you couldn't communicate with anybody else except the boat you were teams with. So we, uh, I, we it was on Brushy Creek Lake, which kind of became our home lake, and we had won some tournaments there and uh, as a team and done well. And then this four-man comes around. It was probably the last four-man tournament I fished. I think I actually moved. I was living in Minnesota working in North American Fisherman at the time. So I went back to fish it, took my boat. And uh, we had won it once, got second twice, and the closest second place was by a hundredth of an ounce. Like it was the slime off a of fish belly. We got second to it was sketch. Like I think they should have weighed us again. Your partner anyways, must have been really good. Yeah, well, I'm a good net man. Look, teams got to have a net man. I'm gonna whatever. So, so we're we're in this thing, okay? We I know that our our other boat had 18 pounds, and we had like oh, we had like 16. We needed a good call. We had a little 15 uh, or skinny fish that we needed to cull out. And we're down to, I would say, a half an hour. And I'm throwing a square-bill crankbait up against a big blowdown. <clears throat> and it looks right. Everything's good. Fish eats. And uh, it comes up, and it's like a four-plus. It's a big fish. This is going to be a big call, And uh, I'm just racing like an idiot, and I'm, like, so excited to – be a bassmaster guy, or whatever I was thinking, I went to boat flip that sucker and it hit the windshield and bounced back in the water and off the hook gone because I was boat flipping when I, with a treble you know with a crankbait. is just not the right thing to do, and so that was
0: that was an Iowa moment, not a that,
1: well and I'm, there's plenty of embarrassing moments, don 't get me wrong, but the, the point there is is we lost by two pounds. we got second place to first place again, uh, but in that fish we would have won it, so I blew that, up, that I blew it for the whole team. <laughs>
0: Well, I could call you the bridesmaid, I guess. But So the thing you hate the most.
1: The thing top, I hate the most. Um, We're going to
0: skip right over that. Top three places to fish.
1: <laughs> well, it depends on your species, right? So if I had one place of all the places I've turkey hunted, deer hunted, uh, my favorite place to visit in the world is Lake of the Woods. We'll put that at number one. I don't care if you're walleye fishing, musky fishing, pike fishing, perch fishing, bass fishing. Uh, I'm, it's all awesome. And I, if I could live there and make money, I would live there. Um Nothing like a good old classic Iowa farm pond. There's one back home that I grew up fishing, and, you know, I could send you a pin on Google Maps how to get there right now, and you could probably catch a fish on your first or second cast. I know it's still good because I have a buddy that still goes there, so we'll just call that the unnamed Iowa farm pond. And then something about Mexico. I've had an opportunity to fish both Lake Picachos and El Salto uh, with anglers in, and Uh, Probably my favorite memory is So I went with my son uh, a year and a half ago in November and it was off the hook. We caught over 100 fish in one day on one lure and by the end of that day it was a Berkeley Chapo. It was broken. Uh, So I would put those three places at the top of my list.
0: Tell me the difference between covering or working with bass guys versus walleye guys. I don't know that this is going to be an unbiased opinion, but I want to hear it.
1: Well, I think probably one of the biggest differences is walleye guys haven't had what they deserve as the time in the spotlight. So, uh, as as a general rule, most of them, most, not all, most of them aren't as practiced uh, and polished as a bass angler. Where bass, professional bass guys have had cameras in their faces for decades. Like, it's been... Uh, you know, a really big deal for a very long time, and I, I think that there are some very talented media savvy walleye guys out there, and I could name a bunch of them, and they're good friends of mine, and you know them too. Um, and they've had that opportunity, and that's largely because they were involved in walleye fishing before. It I think it's taken a bit of a nosedive in the last eight years, nine years, but um, and I have I have some theories on that, but it's hard it's hard to compare the two because you're 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 looking at you know, we know that, that spending a lot of time pulling, well, in your case, you know, multiple boards with with baits back there that it, it can become a giant cluster when a fish gets on, or you can't just stop the boat, reel that fish in because all those lines might come together. Like there's drama to be showed there, but it's never been it's never been conveyed to the public through live coverage. It's never these tournaments haven't been covered on the water in a way that, that Bass has been doing. Um, And I wish I really had an opportunity to do that because the walleye world needs a shot in the arm. And a lot of it is is the coverage angle. Um, You know, it's one thing to have a camera streaming live. uh, I I, I agree. And believe it or not, I'm
0: not throwing my walleye brethren under the table when I say this. I think part of the problem back when FLW, you know, kind of made their thing. Behind the scenes, I can tell you that there was they there was some money from the bass side that was being injected because it, just what you said we got we got to do something with this. There are people that still want this. There's no there's not like five other shows in town like we could be the guy at this. Even though it's not going to ever be what bass is. Bass are not in 48 or walleyes aren't in 48 states. They're they're not going to ever have the participation. It is what it is. It's a smaller market. It's just like turkey hunting or anything else, right? To it's to, still a measurable
1: market, though. I mean, there's enough people to make, to make that type of coverage worth it.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I again, I, I hate to say this, but I've, I've said this privately or not. This is a lot. I, this is probably the first time I've publicly said it, is I was involved in some of these things or at least around it. And these guys said, you know, like, hey, we're going to do three more tournaments and we're getting money coming in. And all the walleye guys threw a shit fit. Now when I say all of them, minus a few, because most of these guys that were pros and they're getting wrapped boats and suburbans and all the you know, expenses, fees paid like a bass guy, which is a big deal, 50, 60 grand a year you know, in savings, if not more, they're told you're going to fish three more tournaments. A bass guy looked at that as that's another chance, three chances to win 100 grand or 125 grand. You know what the walleye guy said? Hell no, I can't. I don't have any more vacation time. And you know, I know the companies came back again around these these talks, and they said, "Well, are you a walleye Pro or are you, you know, Job A? Because at Job, if you're Job A, we're not going to give you a suburban and a boat and entry fees. You know what I mean? Like you you can't take it both
1: ways. You're you're absolutely right. But the problem there is, is the sponsorship dollars. There was not enough of it to go around to make these guys. Uh, uh, leave job A to become a full-time touring pro, and you know I think that if there was enough money to be made, and that's not, and I don't mean like fifty grand, but yeah. a, a living that is more comfortable than that. Um, that's in in and in included tournament earnings as well as uh, you know, what, really? what kind of salaries they could draw from these these sponsorship companies. But here's the problem, and and I have. Like you, I've got a lot of very dear friends that fish professionally as walleye pros, and I think that they're some of the, the best anglers out there, and I believe there's a handful of them uh, that could make it into the Bassmaster Opens that would win and make it to the Elite Series. There's not many, but I think there's a few. And so what I say is out of love to that, the biggest crutch, the biggest hurdle the, the professional walleye angling crowd needs to get over is live bait. That is what is keeping them from becoming the next level.
0: that's straight out al linder's mouth you know that's that's the big al deal right now has been
1: has been and and that's that's a whole nother angle we could talk about but from a content curator standpoint you're not invigorating the walleye fans out there by hooking a minnow through the nose and putting it on a harness and trolling behind the boat that's just not invigorating you're not developing new techniques that a curator like myself could write about we could shoot videos about and by doing that sort of thing if you take live bait out you have the Strike Kings, the Berkleys, Zoom, etc. All of those bait companies are going to start building baits to accommodate the new techniques that the pro anglers are developing. And the only way the public is finding out about it is through the content curation, the the coverage on the water, and then the post-event like wrap-up information, where they can send a piece of content out to the masses about how uh, Jason Shacuret won uh, Port Clinton, Ohio, pitching a jig as opposed to trolling, like. There are changes that could be made, and, and the, the, the old guard of, of walleye fishing would resist that. And I think if you were to start tomorrow for the 2020 season, um, you would have quite a pushback. But after two years of doing it, it would become the new norm, and, that, and it would survive. I, I believe that wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah, I don't want to harp on this too much because I don't know if people care about it as much as we do. But I think that you know the other thing that I saw, and again, you know, me being on both sides of, of the, you know, the, the table, if you will – you can make a living doing it, but most of these guys don't want to do what you need to do to do it. Like you can't cast a line, even in bass fishing, you know, again, maybe Kevin Van Dam can, maybe Andy Morgan or somebody can or whatever, but you can't just cast a line and fish. And, you know, I've written, if not thousands of articles or things and worked, you know, obviously what we joke about, but with you for years, you have to do both sides of the deal. And Mm. most of these guys I can just tell you, I mean, I wrote a book like seven years ago, selling Wally book. And cause when, when all this stuff started going down, right. Can't yeah, Believe it or not. Sentences and
1: everything pictures too. I, I, I think I've seen this book.
0: Yeah, it, it did. It was, it was, I've been
1: using it since the toilet paper pandemic came around. I, I feel bad for you cause we use some high quality pages
0: and that wax is not going to help out. <laughs> that, that's just going to be like slip and slide. Oh boy. But you know, with that, I mean, some really big name anglers and none of them, you know, some of these guys didn't have photos. Like, I'm like, just send me a headshot. I mean, just send me and they're trying to, you know, text pictures or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 resolution. You don't have to explain that to
1: top tier bass guys. No, but see, the organization does that. Uh, the organization provide. they understand the the media needs for this stuff. And and it's, you know, bass isn't perfect. Uh, they've done a lot of, they've taught me a lot of things about coverage and um, and and he, here's what I'll say. Like there, there's a fine line between the organization making decisions for the, the vast majority of the, the pool of anglers. But when the anglers get too deeply involved in those types of decisions, there, there's a, there's a different see where perspective that occurs. I see where you're
0: skirting. I see. I know you can't say anything right now, but I mean I, – well, I, I don't need to
1: <laughs> because that's, it's, it's just reality. But the, here, here's the bottom line is the walleye world – needs two things. It needs a demand or a, a strong, demanding media presence. Uh, and that might be, let's just use the NWT as an example. They have some media presence there, but if they had a magazine, they had a podcast, they had social platforms that functioned well, and they had uh, coverage at events, I could go on and on. That's what the walleye world needs, number one. Number two, people like to see fish if you're i remember dude and i know this is your your neck of the woods but when, at each time we'd come to port clinton i mean we're over, here now uh, well here's the thing a couple thousand people would come to those weigh-ins we'll use the word thousands and you know why because there was giant numbers of giant fish coming in people love to see the fish the anglers are important absolutely the tommy scarless is of the world people love to see him uh the all kinds of, of, of names of guys that are, are famous in the walleye world, uh, Gary and Keith, uh, Chase, the names go on and on. But that's kind of the second-hand reason they come to see these tournaments. They want to come and see the fish, and I think that that's a mistake that we're getting into. Of course, I can, I can quantify that decision to an extent, like in, in some Wisconsin waters, Minnesota waters, where you know, they don't allow the carting of fish or you're, you're, you know there's slot limits. I know there's challenges, but there's ways to get around that. But the point of it is to see the best in the world win on a particular lake and they get to see the fish that they caught, that's the package the fan base comes to see. And that is how you get the sponsor activ- activation from Minn Kota, from Ranger, from et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is having people come to the weigh-ins, participate in any type of expo. I know it's not perfect. It doesn't all work this way, but that is the basis. It's about the fish. And I think there are organizations out there on both sides, bass and fishing, that have devalued the fish. And uh, that's not going to work long term. You know,
0: it's, like a, it's like a bad recipe when you got more than one thing wrong and, and there's multiple things and there's talking heads going in every which way. And, and again, I know you're probably not going to say anything and, and I'm not close enough to talk really super educated about it. But you look at like what Major League Fishing did. I think there's a lot of guys now that aren't as happy as they were a year or two ago and you can just shake your head or not. But, but I think that Bass didn't make a lot of the right decisions either that led to that.
1: No. And and I'll say this. I, and, and, you know, I trust me, I've been a a Bassmaster fan for a long time since the early nineties. Uh, I, I, learned about it and I, I believe in the organization and I, I realize I work for Bass, but I'm saying this as an angler too. Uh, they, they created the, the algorithm, if you will, to make bass fishing a worldwide sport. And it's worked because of that. But, and I, I don't think anybody at bass would deny this. You know, to a certain extent, bass created MLF. Uh, and, and I say that as a capitalist. I believe in going out, making as much money as you can, earn it, uh, be proud of that. I'm an American. Uh, that's what makes America great. That's one of the many facets I really believe in. I have no problem with MLF in itself. Um, And I'll say this publicly, the problems I've had with it is kind of how they've done things. And I say that knowing that there's some bad blood and and I'm I'm reasonable. Um, But I, I think that they would do better. They would have a, a longer standing in the game if they would put fish on scales. Uh, and, but,
0: but even let, – let's not even go there. L- let's just say because, again, we don't want to go down this road because this has been an internet – I mean, this is just a – a, this is a dumpster fire on steroids where we're about to go, <laughs> which you know I love. But I right. think that l- – let's bring it back to what you're currently doing and not slinging mud and not that that's what we're trying to do. But No, the, I the, the what I believe that Bassmaster, I, I, I you can agree or not, I'm going to throw it out there. And again, I'm not super in touch with these things, but I know a lot of these guys, a lot of the companies I work with also, you know, work with, with them as sponsors and stuff. I think that it's fair to say that they maybe weren't as aggressive, rested on their laurels, whatever you want to say, took some things for granted. Major League Fishing, because competition, they didn't really have, yes, FLW, but the competition hadn't been the same. When you go to a Bassmasters Classic, people, if you've never been there, it is an, it is a Super Bowl event. I was there, uh, I think one of the last times was when it was down in, in New Orleans. They're filling up the Superdome, okay? Like there's a football game. So like you said, a big walleye event has a couple thousand people. They're filling the Superdome up. There are people that come for a week. This is an expose. It's, it's, it's insane. So I think... The best thing that happened to Bassmasters, although there's definitely been some giant ass speed bumps and some people's careers may be permanently tarnished because of it or whatever, the Major League Fishing, I think, ultimately gave Bassmaster a shot in the arm because they realized hey, we, we got to make some changes.
1: We were not taking as good a care of our anglers as we should have. Um, and, and it was a communication factor. And I think that we've really upped that ball ballgame. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't BS. I know you know that about me. I wouldn't say this if I didn't believe it. But our leadership recognized this. And it may have taken the MLF uh, introduction for us to step back and look in the mirror. And it really helped us make steps to move forward. And, and early on, you know, I was mad. I was hurt. Um, I think the fan base was too, um, but the whole thing is is i i want i don 't want careers to be ruined because of this so i don 't want i don 't want to say that I hope m l f succeeds, but in a sense, I do because I have friends that fish there that have put everything on the line like I have like you have in our own ways, and i don 't want that to be taken from them because I understand how important it is to them uh, and and you know what I have what? made decisions that have cost me money that have cost me standing, and I look back and i I don't necessarily wish I'd have done things different because it educated me. And maybe that's what this is for a lot of those guys, uh, the younger generation especially. They may look back and say, you know, I learned something from that, and I think that's the most important thing. Just like bass, we learn something from that. And if you can – look, every day you get out on Lake Erie, you might know exactly where the fish are and what they're going to do, but they may throw you a curveball. And if you don't adapt at that time, your clients aren't going to re-up with you if you don't go and catch fish. You have to learn to adapt. The way you learn to adapt is by making those mistakes. I think, you know, uh,
0: me and you know more about the politics and the behind the scenes, and most people probably listening to this or follow it more, obviously. It's our job. So for mm-hmm. people at home, I think a good analogy would be, I've been with Mercury outboards for more than 20 years. I'm very happy with my Mercury outboards. Have I had other opportunities and things? Sure, we, I mean, anybody that does well probably gets those here and there or somebody chirping. But I don't want, for example, Yamaha to file bankruptcy or go away because that's not right. good for a Mercury. Mercury's not gonna be as innovative. You're not gonna have the new Pro XS uh, four stroke, you know, V8, all of these things, like competition is good. Um, it is good. And, 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 you know, if you don't think it is, I just give it a little bit of time. And, and I think that that's, I think Bassmasters had been the king for so long that I think that they kind of forgot. I think it's it's like a marriage deal almost where, you know, you're kind of just so used to it. And then when you don't realize it till you don't have it, but the damage is done. And I think that I, hopefully it looks like things have been repaired enough that there's not
1: as much oh, damage. Without a doubt. But like like I say, let me reiterate. I don't want them to fail, Okay. I think that having a different level of competition, a new level of competition, is fine. And frankly, I don't, I don't care about their format so much. it, it isn't about that for me. It's about the people. It's always been about the people in this game. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy the relationships ha- I have. I enjoy the getting to know the people, um, and what they have on their jersey doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care if it's a bash shield or an MLF f- shield. If it is. Uh, if it's about anything, it's about the heart. You know, I want to know we're still that these guys. We're still fishermen. They're still fishermen, and, and it's the passion for the sport that drives everybody. And look, we've got we've got people at Bassmaster. This is kind of you know goes back to what we we're talking about earlier. Is our leadership doesn't fish much, and I'm I'm okay with that because they understand business, but they also understand the value of having employees that can support that side of the game and and uh james hall brian brasher um trip weldon hank weldon and there's a couple others john stewart uh that that have bass boats and fish regularly uh, i have a bass boat and i fish regularly and i think that our leadership sees a value in that and so it kind of negates the whole well the leadership doesn't fish so what do they know they understand business they understand finances they understand what it takes to keep the lights on and then when they don't know and i've noticed this this is something i value with my leadership i'm big on good leadership they will rely on us when it comes to fishing decisions, or at least they'll come and talk with us about that. And that's what I like about our organization, how we weathered the storm with major league fishing, how we're weathering the storm right now with COVID-19. It's the simple fact that we understand what each of us brings to the table. And I think that being willing to listen in those cases is really the key to, to keeping us successful. And Right now, things are weird. Things are tough. I'm working from my home. I've been here for three weeks. Well, four weeks now. I'm real tired of it. I kind of miss the office. Uh, But we're going to get through this, and as soon as we're able to hit the road and get on the tournament trail again, as soon as Major League Fishing is able to get on the road and hit the tournament trail again, everybody's going to have a rejuvenated look at things, and I bet it softens a lot of the bad feelings that has been there. And right now, I'm just looking forward to getting back on the water. So –
0: all right, we're going to switch gears a little bit because I hate talking about bass too much. I feel like I've got my quota of green carp for the day. But, again, the elephant in the room is, and, again, me and you have talked about this while you were making these decisions. Um, I don't know that – I don't want to say you didn't have a – I'm not going to speak for you, first off. But I don't know that you had a, a decision to make. But when, when things kind of went south with North American fishermen. You, I would assume, say, fortunately got an opportunity, but moving your family, because we talked about this on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, is, okay, I'm going to move down to Alabama, where they don't shoot, they shoot deer that look like dogs. They don't shoot like what you got on the wall behind you.
1: That one right there is not a dog, is it? No. That That's an Alabama deer. No.
0: Well, there you go. It's not, it's not like some of those other ones I've seen, though, in fairness. No,
1: that's fair. Carry on.
0: So, I mean, that decision, I mean, to pile up your, your family, and, I mean, again, it's not like you're going to work at 7-Eleven. You're going to work at Bassmaster. Like, some could argue that's the, you know, that's the pinnacle of, of what you're doing. But still, for a guy like you, like, I don't want to move to California. Like, if there was some fishing job, like, I, I don't want to go to, Sh- I love Shimano, but I don't want to move to California to work for Shimano. What was that like?
1: I mean, I well, you you know. I mean, I was. Let was everybody kind else of know. Frantic for a while. Um, I'm. I've always been a homebody. I like you know. If if I could pick anywhere to live, it would probably be a toss up between Southern Iowa or Central Minnesota. And I I don't know what I would pick if given the actual decision, but that's home for me. That's, that's what's comfortable for me. That's where I love to be. Uh, and, and obviously a lot of factors that have to fall into place, but you know, you, you get into the whole, I want a career in the outdoor industry thing. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, I would say that, yes, to an extent I've made it, I have, I've, I've earned a spot with one of the top organizations in the outdoors. Um, and, and just, That happened because of a lot of, well, A, it wouldn't happen without the support of my wife, who was willing to go wherever we needed to go for this career. And she works in long-term care with the elderly, so her job is, it's easy for her to find work about anywhere we go. So that was supporting that support. I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done without. So that's important, but you're right. There came a point in time, uh, and and we again, we can talk about the downfall of North American fishermen all we want, but it happened. And there was two of us working there, Luke Hartle with North American Hunter, good friend of mine. Like, we kind of became brothers through this because of the, 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 the stuff we had to go through. Uh, and I had a good friend in James Hall and Dave Precht, uh, who Dave just retired from Bassmaster. I've known James for years. From going on those illustrious media events we were talking about, James is a legend, and rightly so. For and many uh,
0: reasons, for many reasons, <laughs> many on reasons. and off
1: the water. Yeah, yeah. He's a great fisherman uh and he loves people. He loves the after hours activities. That's one of the reasons I love him. But anyway, I was at a Mercury event, uh, for North American fishermen in uh is it Fond du Lac? Yep. So we're there at the factory and Dave Precht was there and, and he wanted to catch up and he goes, Hey, I've heard what's going on. He goes, If you ever need anything, let me know. And and it was about a month later. He called me, he goes, Hey, are you in need of an opportunity? And I said, Maybe. Where would I have to go? He said, Birmingham, Alabama. And I kind of, I was like, eh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Is, but, is there you know, two Birmingham, to- Alabamas? You know, there's a Birmingham, Iowa, actually. Um There comes a point where you have to understand and recognize your commitment level to the dream. And and I realized a long time ago I wasn't going to make a living from the front of my boat. Uh So – I wrote about it, and writing and content curation has been a passion. I love that side of my job. So it was easy to get into the industry working as an editor or videographer or photographer. But you know that, that opportunity, he kind of got a hold of me. I said, I'm going to wait another little while, see what happens. And he goes, that's fine. We're not ready to move either. I just want to know if you're interested. I said, yes, I'm interested in discussing an opportunity if it arises. So that was February. May comes around. I hadn't heard from Dave. Uh, He goes, hey, I think we're ready to move on something. How are things with you? And it was like getting worse by the day. They weren't paying North American Fishermen executives. Well, we'll say scout executives because North American Fishermen wasn't the problem. Scout executives were not paying the rent. Uh, Lights were getting shut off. There was a lot of problems. And I knew that it was a matter of time before the final toilet flush was going to happen. So I figured I better get out while I can. And I talked to my wife. I said, what do you think? about moving to the south and she's like gets real hot down there i said yeah it gets hot and we we're winter people ross i like snow i like ice fishing i like the cold uh more than i like the heat but we i talked with you uh josh douglas is a friend of mine that fishes the flw tour uh i talked to him about it i talked to a lot of people um Ross Grothy was a great support. He's a walleye pro. Mark Hortz, I talked to him an awful lot. You know, I just said, look, I, I don't know what I need to do, but I made the commitment to get to where I'm at. And that means at this point, I either have to go back to work punching a clock or or bending metal or putting on shingles, whatever, which, you know, there's plenty of good glory in that in itself. But That wasn't the d- jam though. It wasn't my jam, but was I ready to walk away from the dream that I, at the point at that time I'd invested 11 years into? God, and the answer one. was no.
0: God, I, I hope I never have to make that. I, I live in Mecca, you know, right here of water. Of but Island. if you
1: do, you got you to gotta weigh the value of continuing yeah. the dream versus giving up on it. I, I, that's a tough one, dude.
0: I mean, and, and I respect you for, for making that because I know that that's a lot tougher decision. Like I know people that live in 10 cities in, in 12 years. You know, they move around. They, they mm-hmm. don't care. But again, they don't have the same activities or pursuits or passions that we do. They're just as good watching a movie or reading a book. Me and you are like on, you know, five o'clock. We want to go fishing.
1: Or well, and, and you know what I had to look at Ross was, I, I looked at the viability of Bassmaster. I, I didn't ask to look at their books, but I kind of had been. I've been following it for fifteen years. At that point, I was very familiar with the organization. I was familiar with how the tournaments were run. I'd fished a couple uh, regional, nation events. Uh, or state events you know so i understood how it was going to work and and you know when you have a passion for the organization you're working for and and that doesn't mean i love everybody i work with even though i do to an extent it's the shield the Bassmaster shield that means something to me and quite when literally i, I the logo
0: is a shield <laughs> huh quite literally the logo was a shield
1: <laughs> yeah literally and so i i mean when i looked at that and Catherine had had said look We've invested too much to walk away at this point. If that's our next step, that's what we need to do. And, uh, dude, it's been it's been a blessing beyond measure. I mean, I it took me. So we've been here. We'll be we'll be here five years in August. It's the longest we've lived anywhere. Uh, one single place as a family, and uh, it has it took. I'll be honest. It was probably about this time last year where I could look at Alabama and say, you know what, I like it here, um, and I was able to find ways to scratch that itch of these guys up here um and turkey hunt and do all that stuff and the fishing is outstanding here it really is it takes some work on some of those famous lakes you know gunnersville dude you got to have a blinker on your boat at gunnersville there's so many people that fish it but you got to look at what you've got you got to look at your investment and you have to weigh the value of of what it means to carry on i was faced with a decision and i'm glad i did what i did and um i wouldn't change a thing this is a great place and you know what i may not like Alabama in July August September and early October but I understand why people love the South I do
0: it's a different world down there you know I've, I've done traveling for my fishing stuff and companies I work with that are based down there and it's a different deal and it, it, I don't want to live there but it's a really nice place to visit
1: you know what though Ross uh, I've got a buddy that talks the same way he's he he uh he lives in the same town he you grew used up to in. talk the same way huh you used to talk the same way well, I did. You're right. I, I said ago, I'd man. never leave. But I, here's the thing. It has taught me an awful lot about our society. It's taught me a lot about American culture. It's taught me a lot of about myself, my wife, my kids. You know, right now, my kids are Southern kids. And, and I think that if we were if I had to move home, I could see my daughter going to college down here. Like it's, it's become we've become a part of it. And it, you, you would survive if you had to do if you had to move to California, you would find a way to do what you love to do. It might be different. I don't get a musky fish anymore. I hate that. Um, but I make enough money now where I can afford a trip home to musky fish once a year. So you got to find ways to make it work. And and that's really the baseline of wanting a career, having a dream and be, of being in the outdoors is you've got to... You've got to align yourself with companies if you're going to work with them, like Bassmaster, companies you believe in, leadership you believe in. I keep hammering at home because right now we're killing it. Like, we're doing a great job in all of this. But I mean that. I believe in my leadership. I believe in the organization. I believe in the anglers that make up the organization. But above all that, I'm one of the people. I'm one of the fans. I am a Bass Nation member. And because of that, it's easy for me to feel honored and and obligated to do a good job for this company because I live it.
0: I get it. And, 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 I, and I know that to be true. You know, one, one thing kind of switching gears a little bit is when we worked together back in, let's say, the North American Fishing Days, you know, that's when we were blogging and then things are video blogs. And really, if you were in the business for 100 years, it wouldn't have mattered because things had changed so much. The long form 3,000-word, you know, features and stuff had changed in most places, we were doing these short things. we were doing 800 words. Content is king as far as we'd rather have five pretty good things than one really long, great one because mm-hmm. it's constant, constant, constant. And so me and you, kind of our styles, we were probably fortunate in that and seeing this, this thing switch around.
1: Yeah, th- the digital age.
0: But it also has some drawbacks. And I know I, 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 me and my friends talk about this stuff all the time, but most people don't have enough matza to come on a podcast and talk a real deal. That's why you're here. Cause I know you wouldn't cut no corners. <laughs> Yeah. Is, you know that that standpoint. The problem is, is, I say it with everything, and it doesn't matter. This isn't a phishing. This isn't a phishing attack. This isn't a phishing thing. But I don't care if you're a dryer repairman, or you're in, I don't, a newscaster. The internet makes everyone an authority, and allows them access. Or as as one of my favorite outdoor writers always says, gives everybody a mean ass bullhorn. So the fake it till you make it i know that's your exact term thing that, that has gone on with social media and we're going to talk about fishing cuz that's what this podcast and what we love how much of that do you get to see because i mean you explain what is your title exactly at bassmaster
1: currently uh, i'm senior editor there and i wear a lot of hats i i go to the tournaments i cover them with a camera i cover them with the laptop here and write stories Uh, And there are occasions where I do video work and and you know, I do a lot of video stuff on the side anyways with my my hunting with my kids and whatnot. So video is a a, a key factor, but I also produce content for both Bass Times and Bassmaster magazine. I cover all the gear. So if you open those books up, go to the gear page, those are my babies. So
0: I realize when we're talking about Bassmaster Elite Series or, or whatever, that This is not the direction we're going, but as far as guys that are just around or maybe somebody that tries to give you their card or things that you see because you're on social media or you know some of these guys that maybe tried fishing some opens or some regionals or whatever or the farm system, if you will, this whole fake it till you make it or this Instagram thing, I want to hear what you really have to say. Because, I mean, we've had these conversations privately, but I'm telling <laughs> you, there's more people than you think that want to hear it publicly.
1: Well, look, there there are – the Internet has created a platform for people to appear to be an expert, and and, and there, that has worked uh, positively in a lot of ways. It gives you access to, uh, I guess, the people you revere the most, respect the most, and you get almost like a one-on-one interaction a lot of times. But the opposite is true. Um, wh- one thing that I – let's talk about women and, and pro-angling. Nothing oh, would let's do, do it. Nothing would do better than this is I, I would love and I don't know anybody at Bass, at MLF, FLW, everybody would welcome a, a female angler that would make it to the ranks of, of the elite series, uh, the Bass Pro Tour, the FLW circuit. That would be not only a giant shot in the arm economically for those organizations, it would be a great thing for uh, uh, just the sport in general. We need more of that. I really wish somebody would rise to that but I, ross i don't know why it's not that bass mlf or flw is preventing that from happening we'd all welcome it but it's not happening and in a day and age where i'll go out and say this where feminism really has become uh, a, a big deal to a lot of people and i don't care where you stand on it and i'm, I'm not here to preach what's right and wrong um and i definitely am not the type that's going to suppress uh, uh, uh you know females in a workplace i think it's a wonderful thing and i work with some great ladies but why haven't they achieved the top level of fishing now if, okay if, so if,
0: i'm going to interrupt you because again i'm going to so start a dumpster fire here I won't, <laughs> there has been a few in recent times that have tried to come across as they are now have they not been successful and i know you probably know who i'm even thinking about have they not been successful because they haven't been genuine? I don't know if they have or they haven't. Or in my opinion, they are trying to come across as experts when they're clearly not at that level. Cuz if it was it doesn't have anything to do with a woman. If that was a guy that had that same performance level, they they'd be out. So you're at least still in, but does that hold it back because they go, "Well, see this is what we're trying to do. We told you it didn't work."
1: Well, I, here's the thing with fishing is is that you, let me draw a parallel for you if if you look in if you if you follow the hunting world and how quickly it's risen uh, on social media and the digital age um, if if my grandfather dies and I inherit five hundred acres in southern Iowa and I know how to put a camera on a tree arm and turn it on, I can probably kill a couple really big deer on film and suddenly I'm deemed an expert, but, but and don't if you, I can find a way
0: but don't you hear what I'm saying. Though, but don't you think is is the difference though if you Are you trying to come across as your drury now, or are you just trying to let it happen?
1: I'm going to draw that parallel for you, so take a drink of your water and shut your mouth for a minute. If you'd have been closer, I'd have done a waterfall for you, but go ahead. (laughs) You're right. That's absolutely right. you You can fake it easier in the hunting world because you can buy a hunt, and you can hire a cameraman. You cannot fake it on the tournament scene. You have to catch the fish against... Many other anglers, male and female, you have to catch them the best to make it to the next step. And and I I, I think that there are probably some women out there right now. I think we're going to see it. This is my whole point. We haven't seen it yet. It's coming. Uh, and and one, one lady that comes to mind, I, I don't know if you've heard of her, but Christine Fisher. Uh, she is the kayak girl. Um, she's very well spoken. She's confident. And she can catch them. Dude, she's beat a lot of kayaking dudes and she that is absolutely not putting down the prowess of the kayak community because they're dang good anglers but she has beat a lot of dudes and that's like that's a person i hope makes it we want to have that that presence see, because and, i and here's the difference. i think that women don't think they can do it that's my point i believe there's been a lot of women in the fishing community that have been shut down and they've been told they can't and that's just not the case they can and they're gonna and it's gonna happen soon now, I know where we're going with this. Let me let me circle back to the point. Dumpster, 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 Dump, dumpster. So there fire. are these, these social media platforms provide an opportunity for those types of people who are not capable of catching fish to put on a bikini, hold up a fish somebody else caught, and suddenly they've got 700,000 followers on Instagram and they're deemed an expert by even some companies that got swindled by who they are. And unfortunately, that promotes professionalism to their followers. Those followers think that person knows what they're talking about when all they did is got on a saltwater boat and held up a big Dorado uh, every other day and, and not wearing very much. I have a real problem with that because, A, it's not genuine, it's not authentic, and they have fooled people into believing they know what they're talking about. And that's been social media. But that's the, the basis of social media. You can You can fake it till you make it there. And even if you do make it, when it comes time to be real... The proof will be in the pudding. If you learned enough during that time while you were faking it to actually become legitimate on your own, then great. Good job. Uh, but most of them won't ever get there.
0: Aren't us guys a little to blame because, like, for example, there was a Instagram fishing girl that was like booth babe, whatever you want to call it, right? And all of a sudden, you know, like you said, have a million followers. And then there was like – then the brick hit the wall and things didn't go right. And this this lady put a, a video on saying the whole fishing industry was a fraud. You're all fake, you know, this and that. And it's like, guys, I mean, we're guilty because, I mean, it's we won't get into the biology end of things, right? But these guys, my point with this chick is she had like whatever it was, 700,000 followers. She gets on there and these are fishing guys like, oh, oh, so-and-so, you're the best fisher lady. Oh, fisher. Oh, which hook should I use? Like obnoxious stuff that me and you even would roll our eyes at. But yet she comes out and puts a video on that basically says like God doesn't exist if you're a Catholic Pope, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you put <laughs> that on there, but yet she still has 700,000 followers and people are saying, Oh, you're the best fisher. And it's like,
1: ah. you know, that, that that's, here's the thing. They're generally short-lived. Uh, there, there's a, there's a, a gal in the hunting community that did something similar. She put out bow hunting tips regularly from her tree stand. And then like, Later that season, she's bragging about the first deer she's ever killed with a bow. Uh, again, I my wife hunts with me. My daughter is a little assassin. That one, if there's if a deer or turkey steps out in front of her, it's in big trouble. And and she's competent. Uh, so glad, this is not, I'm
0: glad you clarified assassin. So. Well,
1: I'm not getting into to to you know opposing genders here because that's not what none of us want. We we want them to succeed. And we need to encourage that. But the problem is, is if you're going to get on a social media platform, pretend to be an angler, take lots of pictures with big fish that maybe you just got to reel in. I mean, in your boat, I suppose people are catching walleyes. But really, the work was done by you to get them there. Um, And there's hero shots. But I think that people get misled by someone's social standing on a social media platform because of the way they present themselves as opposed to taking them for what they really are. If, if this individual we're, we're talking about was an actual legit angler, we would be seeing that individual still today in fishing circles, at ICAST, at the Classic, uh, right. and, and her own social channels doing this type of thing. But I think she got rooted out by people that were tired of it. And I really yeah. think that what happened is, is somebody somewhere called her out as a fake, proved it, and she didn't like that. And so she came down on the fishing industry.
0: Right, right, right.
1: If, if she could really fish, dude, great. That's what I want. That's what we all want. But you can't make those skills up. I mean, it takes the, listen, the top walleye anglers, the top bass anglers have a, a natural talent that I just don't have.
0: Well, and, and the one that we were taught, I know we're both talking about, is the funny part is I was at a, I think it was ICAST. I'm pretty sure it was ICAST. And all in the same thing because it was a sponsor deal. And this this girl was telling one of the winningest Bassmaster guys of all time on what not, you know, that they should be using. And it's serious as a heart attack. I mean, I've never seen such, like, blatant, like, disconnect of, like...
1: And and I was like,
0: you... you really believe you're you're telling like this multi bazillion dollar absolutely angler that people fear, and you're trying to tell him why you know, what not he's doing wrong? And I'm like,
1: well, it's it's because she it, at that point in time wanted to be validated as an angler, and if she's telling so and so how to tie a knot, then she's gonna feel better about it. It's it's a false sense of reality, and and I, I hate it. But you know, we're really not going to get away from it right now. Uh, but what what could happen is is I feel like social media is very cyclical. It's very fast. Uh, those algorithms on Facebook seem to change every other day. and And I believe that there's going to come a time where and we might be in a lot of it right now in the midst of this this coronavirus crap, is people are not paying as much attention to that sort of thing, and I think they're forced to pay attention to what matters. Uh, when I walk around my neighborhood here, there are kids outside playing with toys not looking at phones they're not on social media uh i know that 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 overall internet traffic is down in a lot of areas and social is part of it really? now yeah in some areas man i, 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 I maybe, I, maybe I, in
0: birmingham alabama i don't know it seems like online shopping and stuff i know i work with Fish
1: USA well, online and shopping i i'm sure traffic is crazy here's the thing the world needs more christine fishers the world needs more uh passionate people and, and, that are building a career on skill and talent so they can become an actual authority and educate the next generation. That's what we need. And I'm not surprised
0: that you brought her up because I don't personally know her, but there's two different PR firms, you know, that I do stuff directly and directly with. And, um, and one of the, the ladies there that at the PR firm told me, she's like, you, you remember, I told you this. I'm not like a superstar talent scout to to tell you this because this chick is is coming and she's beating dudes and she's catching them and she's and she's legit into it
1: and uh, I, it, it you watch he, they're right and and I, I wonder this I joke about this. Um, if you were just to sit back and rationally look at a fishing tournament, how ultimately how stupid it is <laughs> maybe maybe the reason that that women don't get into that at that level is they're a whole lot smarter than us. They're like, you know, we could use that money for a car payment, or we could use that money to put a deck on the house, or whatever. So they, they're kind of like they, they, get involved. They're like, oh, there's a lot of risk here. We're going to be smart, and you know the old saying, you know, there's a reason why dudes or women outlive dudes. And this, I might have be no another reason, one of those reasons.
0: I have no reason to believe that we will not be friends for another twenty years, and I don't know if we could ever get a better soundbite than what we just got.
1: Well. Look, and, and I say that as a tournament angler and as somebody who's employed by a tournament angling organization, I'm being very sarcastic and facetious. But the reality is why – or the question is why hasn't that happened yet? I, I don't know. I, it, I, have, I have some theories, uh, and, and I'll go back and reiterate this because I definitely don't want someone to take out of context what I'm saying. Uh, I
0: think we all we – all, I think anybody that would is, is a ding-dong. That's not what you meant.
1: Well, today, especially in social media and digital world, it's easy to take. I mean, uh, it's still sound soundbite that I'm going to use to lead in with. But I mean, don't you can hold that against me down the road. I'm sure you'll find a way to. But the point is, is it's going to We're happen on it. and it, it's going to happen. And, and when it does, it's going to be a, a massive boost uh, to the fishing organization that it, it happens to. And I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm covering it when it does.
0: Here's here's the deal. And, and this is kind of a good way to kind of wrap it up. Fishing, if you, would, if you would remove even what I do, I, I've been very fortunate over the last 20 years. I've been very successful at what I do on and off the water. I've been able to make a business at it and a, and a good living. Even with that said, if you erase like fishing and you take what I've done and, and all that and you take it into the banker and say, here, I want to get a loan. This is what I want to do. This, mm. <laughs> this is what I want to try. And, and I need this. I needed a hundred thousand dollars. You won't say boat. You just, I, I had a hundred thousand dollar asset here and I need a $60,000 truck and I need this much of this. And I need, I need to buy this many thousands of gallons of fuel. I don't think there's one bank even before the crash that would be like, <laughs> We're behind you on that business plan. <laughs> That's right. When when you spend fifty grand, you know, to go win twenty five, it's not real. Um, it's not a real good long term deal. But I think that it's no different than why you moved to Alabama. If you have a passion for this, you understand. If you mm-hmm. don't, and you're listening to this right now, I, I we could do this for another three hours, and you're not going to get it.
1: But if anything else, if nothing else, this kind of conversation sparks interest, or at least encourages somebody to investigate it then it's a win and and we need more people involved we you know really uh uh, the female involvement in the outdoor space hunting and fishing is one of the fastest growing uh demographics that there is it is growing quickly and that's a good thing and so we're going to see more of that down the road and who knows what tomorrow next year 10 years from now holds uh, but we're going to see a paradigm shift and and it may be a christine fisher working her way up through the ranks. She started in a kayak world and maybe she gets into a bass boat and fishes a bass master open. And maybe after four or five years of investment, she has made the cut to fish the elite series. That is going to be a paradigm shift that everybody's going to welcome with open arms because we need a refreshing level of participation. And, I, you know, my I, daughter, youth, it starts with the youth. You've got to work with them. You've got to get them out. This is such a good time, Ross, if your governor hasn't shut down your, your motorboat capabilities.
0: That's just the – you know, that's Michigan. We're Ohio State. We're the Buckeyes. We're the, we beat the up on those Michiganders. Roll tide. We're, oh, what, how'd that work out last time we played? But at any rate, <laughs> I think we we took a national – we took a natty from you. But I have agreed careful. with you so much on this. It's actually – it scares me. I think the only scary. thing that I would say that, you know, I just, I disagree when you, when you were talking about, you know, the opportunities or how you can make it. I'm I'm living proof in the walleye world or multi-species or non-bass that you can make a good living if you're willing to dig into it. There are so many opportunities out there. And while I don't agree with certain elements of it or things like, you know, again, we didn't even go there like Guggen Squad stuff or any of that.
1: No, no, well, we don't have time to get into that crap. I,
0: you, there's a reason I didn't bring that up, but... But again, the the point is, is those kids are making a lot of money, rather how I feel about it or you do is a different thing. There are opportunities if you have that passion and you really want to do this. But if you're just out there for, you know, again, trying to get likes and clicks and you're trying to be somebody popular, you ain't going to last anyhow.
1: That's a fact. And and honestly, we don't disagree on that. It's I think it's harder to make a living in the walleye world than it is the bass world, but it still comes down to your desire to dig in and find ways to make that money and not be above it. Like I wasn't, you know, for a while I was above moving to Alabama. I'm sure I said to you, I'd never leave the Midwest. Well, here I am in the deep South. You have to stay flexible and open and go where the direction takes you and and you'll find blessing in that. I I can't overemphasize like we, we can't leave Alabama right now uh, unless the right opportunity with a lot of money comes up. We're not leaving because this is what, direction i believe i was headed in from the beginning i didn't know it at the time i thought i wanted to work in the hunting industry i thought i wanted to be michael waddell or the drury's that's what i thought i wanted uh except it took a, a pretty dramatic turn and here's the thing and I, if, if any of these fake it till you make it types are watching this and are mad at us for what we said uh, i would say this look at what you want to become and work to get there don't expect the recognition the 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 heroism the fame to come Unless you've actually proven you're legit. And there's the, the Googans, they've just found a way to, to bring all their little gamer buddies to their YouTube channels that's in the millions. And then they started fishing. They didn't earn all that. They were doing something different before it all happened. And now they've got a bait company. Now they've got TV channels, YouTube channels, whatever. Uh, let's, let's get on my home lake and let's talk about finding bass, not on a pond. And catching the best five you can. We, we want to talk about that. Then we've got a conversation with Happy.
0: I can't believe we've talked for an hour and we mostly agreed. It's just it's
1: kind of it actually scares uh, dude, me. Dude, we can keep going. We can make this a whole day thing.
0: <laughs> let's listen. I've had I've had my fill. I know you've had your fill of me too. Yeah. But I want to thank you for giving us your time. Yeah. Yeah. Hit the yeah. button. And I mean, we're probably gonna have to do another one of these. We'll have to make it so it's not so long before we get between projects anymore. And no, so uh, I'm
1: look. Anytime you want to do this, I love to talk uh, and, and listen above all else the best part about working in this industry are the people i've been able to get to know the relationships i've built and that's not a kudos to you because i don't like you that much but it it is it is about the people it's about the the relationships you build the time you get to spend on the water with people and and i hope we get to do that one of these days i know we've talked about it for years and haven't ever gone but i
0: really look forward i mean i'm going to close it with this i really look forward to bass fishing against you and whooping your ass
1: <laughs> hey, you better bring your A game, kid.
0: I don't even think I'll need my C game, but I'll bring it.
1: Wow. Wow, that's, that's intense. That, that is, but thank you for your time. Thank you for tuning
0: into the Big Water Podcast. Thomas Allen of BASS. Appreciate your time as
1: well. Until the next episode, we are out.